0: your state your team your show this is sports nightly Xavier bats in
1: motion he gets the flip on the jet motion there he goes 40 30 25 20 15
2: 10 5 touchdown Xavier bats finds the end zone and the Huskers now lead it 16 to 3.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office who reminds you To buckle up and put the phone down now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and ben mclaughlin and thank
1: you hope you had a great weekend welcome to another week of sports highly here on the husker sports network we're honored that you have chosen to spend some time with us here tonight here's what we have on the program for you robin washington of huskeronline.com going to join us here in a couple of minutes he's been all over this Husker basketball shut down. He was the first one yesterday to report that the Minnesota game on Wednesday was not going to take place. Looking forward to chatting with Robin here in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, Kevin Suits, the longtime sports director of 1011 Sports, going to be here. We'll talk all things Huskers with Kevin, including a look at some of the prep stories that he's been covering here in recent weeks. We are set to launch another conversation with the Cooks podcast. We'll play you a snippet of that here in hour number two. The uh, monthly sit-down with Lauren Cook and her father, John Cook, the head volleyball coach of the Huskers. This is the start of the volleyball season this week. Huskers will open the season Friday in Bloomington against Indiana. They'll play Bloomington they'll play Indiana Friday and Saturday. That's gonna be the format this year. It will be back to back matches against the same team in the same location to limit travel. To uh, you know, try to get as many matches in as possible in a short period of time. So the Huskers will open the volleyball season on Friday. I'm sure that'll be a big focus of this month's conversation with the Cooks. Third hour of the show, it'll be our women's basketball show for the week. Amy Williams and Matt Coitney will be here for the third hour of the program, We're ready to take your calls, comments, and questions. Huskers with an impressive win on Saturday over nationally ranked Ohio State, where Nebraska controlled tempo, controlled the game. With a shortened bench, still didn't get any of those injured players back yet. Did Amy Williams? I think a couple of them are close, but they're still playing with a seven-seven person rotation. And man, that was just a classic game of how to control a game uh, from not getting out of hand with the by, by running some clock, running offense, getting good looks, and Kate Kane was dominant, as Tim just told you. She was rewarded today by being named the Big Ten's Player of the Week, and rightfully so. She was terrific in that game. So a lot of momentum for that program. And they will play tomorrow afternoon at PBA against Minnesota, 3 o'clock tip time. We'll have that here on most of these same Husker Sports Network stations, beginning with pregame at 2.45, an afternoon game for the Husker women's program as they try to keep this good role going for uh, that that team. Uh, Ben, let's start off with the men's program and the announcement that came out yesterday that the program was still on pause that the number of positive results have really gone up for their tier one personnel and to remind everyone tier one personnel includes the athletes the coaches and any staff member whose job requires close regular contact Um, and Nebraska has reached that red red threshold that we heard so much about back in the fall when the football season was getting launched I don't think any football teams in the Big Ten Conference hit red-red. In fact, I know no football team hit red-red. But you're dealing with a smaller pool of numbers with a basketball program and currently a total of 12 individuals in the men's program, including seven players and head coach Fred Hoiberg, are in isolation or quarantined due to positive tests. And so Nebraska's game on Wednesday with Minnesota has been postponed and their Sunday game at Iowa has been postponed. A statement from the head coach yesterday said it's a challenging time that we're all experiencing. It reminds us what is truly important, that it is our family and our health. And he announced that he then has tested positive. Uh, he said he has experienced symptoms but is improving over the last day. Uh, he said, our obviously, our program has been hit hard over the last 10 days. That was quite a statement. We were kind of talking on Friday's show, Ben, about how we really haven't heard anything out of the basketball program. We all speculated that Ivan had tested positive the week before cuz he wasn't in uniform for the Indiana game last Sunday. And then all we really heard was program was on pause. We didn't know the severity, but man, this is this is bad. I don't think we're going to see this team play for a
3: while. No, I can't imagine so. Sure sounds sounds like it's pretty uh pretty severe. And you know, as coach Hoyberg said yesterday, that's pretty much the number one thing right now is to just hope that uh you know take care of this situation and get you know get yourself right get yourself healthy for you know the stretch run here but yeah I mean it's uh it's kind of crazy how how fast this has all happened with with the men's team you know it kind of started with Eduardo Andre and um, you know then kind of trickled to Ivan and now you know obviously it's it's plagued the team so you know I'm glad that we finally heard something. It was, it was nice to see the statement from the head coach yesterday to kind of brief everybody on what's been going on. I've been asked about it quite a bit. I'm sure you had, too, about what's what's the deal and who has it and how long are they going to be out. I think we still don't know the answers to some of those questions, but we do know it will be a while before they hit the floor again. This, this
1: hit this team 13 days ago. They were getting ready to board a flight to go to Purdue to play two weeks ago tomorrow. And... Somebody tested positive. Well, we uh, were assuming that that was Ivan because he then didn't suit up for the Indiana game. The new length of this is 17 days. That's been dropped by the Big Ten from 21 when they first set the standards up in September in anticipation of the football season down to 17 days. So even Ivan wouldn't be out of that time frame yet. And with some other ones that came last week, we don't know. If that was on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I think it could have been spread out over that entire week, different guys testing positive. And once that happens, they immediately isolate that individual, uh, put them in, I think it's a hotel they put them in where they just have to sit in their room all day. So then you worry about, and this is, I know, secondary, because first of all, you want them to be over, get healthy and be over it. And, And we haven't heard of anybody having complications so bad that they've had to go to the hospital, knock on wood. But... Their conditioning, Ben, is going to take a big hit. If you can't do anything in the sport of basketball where you're constantly moving in motion, I, I just I just think fans need to kind of prepare themselves. It's going to be a couple weeks, I think, before we see this team take
3: the floor again. Well, and that's that's assuming that the virus doesn't take a toll on them too. That's just if you just stop doing anything altogether, um, not including some of the other stuff that you deal with, with the virus. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine this is going to be a – a good scenario for nebraska basketball this year um and and mean good things at least you know out of the shoot. so you know we're gonna have to sit and play this out and be patient uh and i know fans right now are really frustrated with the on-floor results and this definitely isn't helping but you know to, to get to get this under control and get the team back to a point where they can play again and play at a high level um is the main concern yeah NFL playoffs yesterday, I, I want to congratulate
1: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and no, not because Tim is a uh, the president of the uh, Tom Brady Fan Club, but because of the Huskers on that team. Ben, it's been so fun to see Domican and, and he had a run a couple years ago when he was with the Rams to the Super Bowl, but Levante David, who's had just a fabulous career in the National Football League and doesn't get many accolades for it, Doesn't seem to make Pro Bowls. I don't know why he leads the league or close to leading the league and tackles almost every year, but so happy for him. And then Khalil Davis, who was drafted last year by the Bucs, getting in there as well. Uh, Fantastic for them to move on now to the NFC Championship game. They're going to have a huge challenge ahead of them to play at Green Bay against the Packers, who looked great over the weekend. But I I I smiled a lot watching the the Tampa Bay game last night, feeling good for those
3: three former Huskers. Yeah, it's still really hard for me because of how much I don't care for number 12. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm so used to rooting against him that you know every time that they have the ball, I'm rooting for them to turn the ball over. And then every time Tampa Bay's defense runs out there, I'm like fans of the Bucks again. But I am so happy for Levante David. I mean, he is a part of some absolutely brutal Buccaneers teams for a long time and yet still, you know, put his body on the line every week and and played very well. He's been a great representative of Nebraska. And, you know, just to to watch him play and and finally have his team success along with uh, the individual success is great. And then, you know, to have guys like Ndamukong soon and Sue and Khalil Davis there with him um, has made it even more enjoyable for me. So I'll be pulling for Tampa Bay this week and, you know, just to see them, hopefully get a shot at playing for a Super Bowl uh, would be really cool so you know we'll kind of see what happens but it, it is it is really neat that all three of those guys are playing on the same side of the ball and um, you know helping that team win games yeah it was great in fact I saw an interview today that Indomitian did and he said the unsung
1: hero of that defense is Levante he said he's just everywhere he makes all the right plays such a good teammate uh, great in the, cl- in the locker room with that team and so uh, so happy for them. They play the Packers. Kansas City will host Buffalo on Sunday, as we come down the home stretch of the National Football League season. Robin Washit, HuskerOnline.com, joining us now here on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. Uh, you've been all over this story all weekend long, uh, man. This is this is not good for Husker basketball with that announcement that they put out yesterday. That twelve individuals in that Tier One level have tested positive. It may be this this is this is some serious stuff, right, Robin?
4: Yeah, it really has. Um, you know, Nebraska's far from the only school that's been dealing with stuff like this. I know it just came out today that Michigan State has several players uh, and some staff members, Tier 1 staff members, that uh, are out and they've had to cancel their next couple games. So, you know, Penn State missed four games in a row. Uh, so, I mean, this is not a, a overly unique situation, but as far as, you know, kind of a, a single one-time impact, Nebraska's going through it about as much as anyone right now with – 12 tier one um individuals testing positive and for those that aren't familiar tier one obviously is uh players coaches and any staff members directly in contact with the team so like trainers and um you know operations guys or anything like that so uh that's a big number especially we consider you know one of them is the head coach and one and seven of them are players i mean that's that's hard to uh you know not only feel the team but you know kind of go through the day-to-day when when you have that big of a, a toll at once so they've been on pause for you know the better part of a week now and uh, probably going to go through this week um, you know because they're in the red red and for big 10 rules they, they can't do anything so no practices no coordinated workouts uh you know really th- as limited contact as possible and obviously everyone that has tested positive is quarantining right now. Uh, so players are, you know, in hotel rooms uh, away from everybody. So they're just trying to get through it uh, and get guys healthy and just try to let this thing pass to where they can get back to work. But, you know, the, the impact of this, obviously they're missing multiple games that are going to have to be made up at the back end of the schedule and, you guys aren't practicing. And that's not even to speak of whatever, uh, you know, I guess physical impacts are, are going on with – each player and coach, uh, as they kind of you know fight through this COVID stuff.
1: Yeah, Penn State's in the midst of playing four games in eight in seven days right now, but trying to make up and get mm-hmm. caught up a little bit in this thing. Uh, coach Hoiberg said he was feeling better. Do we have any indication that any of this is really serious? Is anybody having really com- bad complications, or do we have any any idea about that?
4: Well, I mean, it's impossible to say because you know, I mean, there's been situations i know uh i've heard that you know, at least one player that tested positive you know they didn't even he was totally asymptomatic for the first few days and all of a sudden got really sick you know i mean it was, was just kind of really laid up for uh, a few days so it it's really person to person and day to day with this deal that uh you know i do know that fred's in good spirits you know he's 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 holding up all right and you know that's that's a big deal because Obviously, if his pre-existing condition, you know, he had a pretty major uh, heart condition in 2005 that required, you know, well, basically heart surgery uh, that ended his playing career. So he's got a pacemaker, and, you know, he's, you know, in that high-risk category that, you know, the fact that he got it, that kind of makes it a little bit more of a concern than, uh, maybe some others so uh, as far as we know um, he's doing well I actually I uh, you know, was texting with him yesterday and uh, you know he said that he was doing doing well and you know was basically <laughs> as good as could be expected so uh, you know I think again it's its day-to-day and you just hope for the best that he's able to pull out of this
1: busy again with Robin Washington of Husker Online uh, here on Sports Nightly he's been all over this Husker basketball story and is a great follow on Twitter uh, as, it, as it relates to Husker hoops. You wrote uh, in a piece today that kind of a bigger version of this is this it's squelching the development of this team, right? I mean, when you can't practice and play, it's hard to get better mm-hmm. as a team and a program. Um, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously
4: that's all secondary to just the, the well-being of everybody on the team dealing with this. But when you narrow it down to the scope of, of basketball, uh that's you know this whole deal is a major setback for uh, a team that you know obviously is going through a difficult learning process of uh you know not only trying to figure out how to play together but doing it in the most uh you know difficult conference in all of college basketball and so you know the the losing streak in conference is well documented and you know it seems like every time they take a step forward they t- take two steps back coming off that Indiana game, you know, it was another loss. It was another game where they found themselves down by 18 points, 10 minutes in. But that stretch where they came back from 18 and rallied all the way back to take a three-point lead in the second half, you know, Fred said that was as good of a, a stretch of basketball as they played all season. And... Uh, That's something you want to ideally build off of, especially considering that that was directly correlated with the return of Derek Walker, who's making his uh, Husker debut. And as he kind of got his legs under him, he started getting better and better. And as a result, Nebraska started getting better and better. Well, of course, what happens? uh, You know, they they play that game and you see kind of some silver linings for uh, the rest of the season. And then they're put on pause for, you know, the next four or five games. And so that is a, a real step back, and especially not only just playing but not doing anything. Like I said, I mean, they can't even be in the court together. They, they can't do anything together until uh, these guys kind of get, get cleared to return back to team activities. And who knows when that's going to happen. And every day that they're not on the court trying to get better, whether it's in practice or in games, Uh, it's it's stunting the development of this team and you know you add in kind of the struggles they were already going through this is another kind of a a mental hurdle for these guys to have to overcome in what's already been a very long season so you know you you really hope that they're able to kind of stick through it and find ways to pick up where they left off in the second half of that indiana game but this extended time off where you know they're realistically going to play one game in a month uh i mean that's That's hard to overcome, and it's impossible to get better as a team when you can't actually be on the basketball court together.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Robin Washington again with us here on Sports Nightly. Talking about getting better, I know the coaches are ecstatic about the group that they signed in November, and you've been doing some tracking uh, on Bryce McGowan. How's he been holding up, and what kind of player does he look like he's going to be?
4: Yeah, we fans got to see him uh, on national television the last couple days where uh, he had a couple games on. Uh, yesterday he was on ESPN3, and today uh, he was on uh, ESPNU, I believe, uh, during this uh, you know St. the St. James tournament uh, out out on the in the Carolinas that features basically the the best prep uh, basketball academies in the country, and so his. Uh, um, legacy Early College in South Carolina. That's where he goes to school for for this season. Uh, they were competing in that, and they came in ranked 24th nationally. And you know, they they had a rough go at it. I think they finished like one and five, one and six, or something like that. But Bryce did very well for the most part. Uh, I think he was one of the leading scorer if not the leading scorer of the of the entire event, uh, at over 20 points per game. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the, the two games that. He was on TV uh, these past two days. They they lost both. He had 18 points in the first game. Um, you know, did did pretty well. And then today uh, he had 20 points, but was three of 17 from the field. I think he missed like his first 10 shots. Uh, and uh, you know, it was just really an awful shooting day. But he made up for it by going 13 to 14 from the free throw line. So, you know, I know that that's a silver lining for Nebraska fans. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's a kid that, you know, you listen to ESPN commentators that, you know, were really highlighting him in both of those games and they just raved about his potential and how high his ceiling is. And, you know, he's right now, they, I think he's listed like six, six, 175, 180 pounds. So he has uh, a lot of room to develop physically. And once he, gets, once he gets into a college weight training program, bulks up a little bit, he'll be able to finish at the rim better and, you know, kind of um, handle contact in the paint better. Uh, his game is really going to take off. So, uh, I mean, he's a five-star for a reason. He, he looked the part, and even in spite of his bad shooting uh,
1: performance today. And, you know, I think Nebraska is very excited about what he can be in the next year or two. Oh no doubt. Well that's the future. Some of the passes is Isaiah Roby's making some headway in the NBA or your thoughts about what you've seen from Isaiah playing now with the Thunder.
4: Yeah, it's been, been awesome to follow. And you know, I know a lot of people uh, kinda look at what Oklahoma City's doing this year. <laughs> maybe calling it a, a tank mode where, you know, they're not necessarily trying to field the best lineup, but doesn't matter. Isaiah's got an opportunity and he's thriving in that opportunity and you know, he's a guy that was drafted because, you know, uh, continuing that conversation uh, is because of his upside. And yeah. people see that you know, he's only scratched the surface on on his development, and you're really starting to see it come together now that he's getting chances. And you know, the more chances he gets, the more confidence he's going to uh, gain that he can play at that level. And, you know, tank mode or not, uh, Isaiah's getting a shot, and he is making every bit of the, the most of that opportunity. So it's been really fun to watch. a long time since nebraska fans have gotten to watch one of their own play in the nba so uh, i don't care the circumstances it's a really cool story for nebraska and for certainly for isaiah
1: absolutely he's such a great young man we're just really pulling for him and happy for his success right now all right bringing it back to the the current team robin i know during the football season that the big 10 had a 21 day rule i believe they've dropped that now to 17 days uh, once Mm -hmm. you test positive we're probably still – what's your best guess? Can we, do we see this team play again this month, or do we get into February before they hit the court again? What's your best guess? Yeah, I mean, like,
4: technically that uh, Penn State game on the 30th that uh, PBA is, is still on as scheduled. But, again, so much of that depends on uh, just how these guys kind of recover from this deal. And, uh, you know, with seven players, I mean, even if they are able to play, what kind of lineup? Are they even going to be able to roll out there? You know, I mean, obviously, uh, among those sevens, there are key contributors. I mean, this is a team that was only going, you know, seven or eight guys deep uh, for the most part. So um, there's going to be probably starters, probably top bench guys that might not be available if they do, in fact, go ahead with that game. And then obviously, with your head coach also being in that equation, that I'm not holding my breath that they're going to play that game on the 30th. I'll just say that. And you know, I think. In this type of situation, given the magnitude of what Nebraska is dealing with, there's no need to rush back and and, put not only yourselves at risk, but Penn State at risk. Uh, So I think they need to make sure this thing is fully under control before they go back out there. And however long that takes is however long it takes. And like I said, they'll find a way to make up those games later. Uh, So you just need to take care of the most important thing. And that's getting everybody healthy.
1: No doubt. Well, great reporting on this. You've been out in front of this. We've uh, been following it, and we'll continue to follow it. We appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin Suit, sports director at 1011, joins us now here on the program. Happy New Year. Can I still say Happy New Year? Am I too late in the month to do that? I don't know what the etiquette is there.
5: I think you can say Happy New Year anytime that it's the new year, Greg. It doesn't okay. expire. You could greet somebody like that in March if it – is your first interaction with that person I think.
1: Oh, okay, well thanks. I, you kind of got me off the hook there. I just didn't know if I was, you know, making a major <laughs> faux pas there with that thing. How are you? You doing okay? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Greg? Hanging in there. Uh wish I could watch this Husker basketball team, man. Isn't that a mess? I mean, my goodness, all those positive cases. I hope all that I hope all those guys are going to be okay. What do you what do you make of this?
5: You know, uh it's 2020, 2021. Uh across college basketball, you'd been monitoring that. I mean, shoot, there. DePaul has not even played in the calendar year so far. That's a team that they. I think their last game was in uh, late December. So this is just kind of the way that college basketball is going. I think one thing that maybe caught some fans here in Nebraska off guard was the fact that it seemed like the Big Ten, it really had some momentum with the the games that were being played and not too many teams were being effective, uh, affected by in a widespread sense. Some games were getting canceled uh, one at a time, but you didn't see a team completely shut down. And that even that's even what happened with Nebraska. You know, at the beginning of the season, they didn't have their full roster. Uh, there have been a few players that had missed games. But then what's transpired over the past two weeks Greg, it's unfortunate. It's very concerning, and uh, many thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Fred Hoiberg and his entire, uh, not, not only the team, not only the players, but everybody, all the support staff. There are so many other individuals uh, that you and I know within the program, Greg, that this affects. It's not just the guys that uh, you see on the court on game day.
1: Yeah, it just, we just hope everybody comes through it okay. I haven't heard of any serious cases yet, but uh, yeah, you're right. The, the big thing is get them healthy and so that they can get back out and get up back on their feet again. The women have been just an amazing story, Kevin, here in 2021. Your thoughts about what you've seen from Amy Williams' squad here the last couple of weeks?
5: I mean, they're a gritty, nasty team, Greg. Uh, This is a great group. And I can tell that Amy's having a lot of fun coaching this team. And, you know, that – As a coach, this coaching any year has got to be pretty challenging. You're trying to mix and match pieces. You're trying to come up with game plans. But when you're shorthanded down to seven players and you're still winning games, there's got to be a great sense of satisfaction from Amy Williams and her coaching staff based on what they've been able to accomplish over the past Uh, You know, they've won four of their last five, and these aren't just any old win. They're playing some pretty good competition in the Big Ten over this stretch. Now, Amy won't tell you much. We know that, Greg. You know, she's all about the process, and it's about getting better every day and implementing a game plan that uh, she thinks is going to work. So she doesn't waver too far from that, but I think deep down in her heart, if you got her in a pretty unveiled moment – She's going to say that there's a great reward in here as a coach being able to lead these young women, not just through uh, all the testing and protocols and the daily grind that they have to go through just to play basketball this year, but the fact that they're also going into some of these games shorthanded against really good competition and coming away with wins.
1: Yeah, it's been impressive because they have been beating those ranked teams. It's just been so much fun to watch, and they are such a good team one of those is whitney brown from grand island which i know you you certainly get all over the prep beat a little bit you surprised she's having this kind of an impact with this team
5: yeah i think she's surprised she's having this kind of <laughs> impact with the team in fact she was asked after her career game over the weekend you know did she ever imagine herself being in this kind of situation playing the minute she's playing and making four of eight from beyond the arc and she kind of smiled and said no You know, she was just hoping to earn some playing time. And now she's a major factor in this. And, uh, you know, I always knew Whitney was going to be a pretty good ball player. Uh, I I just didn't know she was going to have this kind of success this early. Plus, her sister – You know, she she came before her at Grand Island Northwest and went head toe-to-toe with Maddie Simon back in the state finals uh, several years ago. So she was following her sister's footsteps, who had a nice career at UNK, and now Whitney. I mean, if she can keep shooting it like this and contributing in this way, uh, she's going to have a pretty special career at Nebraska.
1: Man, she's shooting nearly 40% from three-point range. It's just been so exciting to see her do that. We're again visiting with Kevin Suits, sports director of 1011 Sports here on Sports. Finally, because you cover the prep meet, I'm sure you've seen Alexis Markowski at Pius this year. They've got a tremendous team. She was a signee of Coach Williams back in November. She'll be a Husker starting next year. What do you make of her game?
5: I think she's really good. She could come in and contribute right away, in my opinion. She does some things on the court as a high school senior that I look at it again like, wow. Uh, and plus, obviously, she has so much training and experience with her father and her family being around the sport her entire life. I think she moves really well. She runs the court, and she kind of has to with the way that that team likes to play. They like to get up and down, and she's great at. Whether she's trailing to play, she seems to always be in the right spot to grab a rebound. That's one thing I can't get over, you know, her stats, and I've even talked to Alexis about this, that sometimes she'll get done with the game, and you look at the stat sheet, and she's got 32 points, and you're like, I knew she was scoring, but I didn't know it was this high, and and, and I don't want to call them junk buckets because that, that would be, you know, not the right term and would downplay some of her production, but I think she gets so many points on putbacks. She's a pretty good foul shooter. She gets to the line a lot, and she just always seems to have a nose for where the ball is going to be in the lane, and she plays with a really good group of girls at Pius as well. Jillian Ashoff, the point guard, she's as good as they come in girls basketball this year.
1: Yeah, that's a special team. I think they're ranked number one in Class A right now and uh, motoring their way toward the the playoffs and the state tournament, which will be here before we know it. Speaking of being here before we know it, it's volleyball season, Kevin. How odd's that to say here in the middle of part middle part of January. Well, John
5: Cook got what he wanted, right? He has lost year after year to play volleyball in the spring. Just never thought it would be under this condition. And um, you know, let's let's just keep our fingers crossed uh, that volleyball is going to happen here in 2021. I have no doubt that it's that it's going to be played, but in what fashion? What it's going to look like? Uh, The no fans thing is going to be going to be difficult for a lot of folks who uh, love to attend games at the Devaney Center, but uh, I guess you take what you can get in 2021, and uh, an interesting conversation I've had with so many different people about volleyball during a pandemic is, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, a football team. You just plug and play with the next man up. You know, volleyball is very unique in terms of the positions you have, most notably setter and libero. If you lose your setter, what, what, what do you do? And there are going to be some teams that if a setter gets, uh, gets exposed to COVID-19 or tests positive for COVID-19, does the team continue to play or do they follow the Big Ten rules to sit out? And that's how the, the season could really get sideways. You know, just a, a lot of prayers and a lot of fingers crossed that um, those girls can continue to uh, insulate themselves with each other and isolate themselves from uh, the community in any positive cases. So hopefully there, there will be a season ahead.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned football. It has been – hadn't it been a crazy couple of weeks? Usually you get the season ends and it kind of slows down a little bit. Maybe you check in on recruiting from here and there. But with this new transfer portal and with the NCAA allowing all these guys an additional year, we've had – Kevin, we've had kind of some football news every day since that season ended almost a month ago.
5: Yeah, it hasn't been a slow time for the football beat writers. I think they've had some fun with this, too. You know, the the tweets and the using the, the GIFs or GIFs, whatever you call them, Greg. I'm almost getting too old to know what it's even termed. Uh, but they had a lot of fun with the arrows in, the arrows out, and, and tracking everything that happened. Man, last week, you looked up and it was Wednesday, and there had already been like seven or eight notable uh Roster changes for Nebraska: some additions, some subtractions, uh, but it was—it's been wild, and I don't think it's quite done just yet. There could be uh, some more action here coming up soon. And uh, but but yeah, it's kind of fun to keep the conversation going, especially with the defense. And I can just picture Eric Janetta just sitting back in his man cave, just kind of nodding his head, thinking about the dudes he's got coming back because that was a pretty good unit a year ago. They probably didn't get the credit that they deserved, but now knowing that Cam Taylor-Britt and JoJo Dolman and Deontay Williams and Mark hildes like, it's going to be like the same defense next year. And, you know, I heard somebody compare it to, like, now he gets to take them to, you know, the 400 class. And they've passed the introduction, they're past 200 level class, 300. Now it's 400. And man, he's really going to be able to advance the terminology, the schemes, and some of the things he wants to do with that defense.
1: You're going to be, a, you will have covered Ben Stilley for like a decade.
5: <laughs> right? Going back to his high school days? Did you know that he leads, he's the all time leader at Ashland Greenwood in PATs?
1: No, is
5: that right? Yes, yes, you should have a conversation with Ben about this. Like, he's all over the record books. And I think that Ryan Thompson, the uh, head coach at Ashland Greenwood, I think he gets really bored in the offseason because he, he like crunches all the numbers and updates every season stat, career stat, and everything. And he'll sometimes put them out there. And, uh, you know, Ben still all over their record books. And then it just happened to catch my eye, this is about a week ago, that he leaves Ashland Greenwood and point after attempts and makes, I believe. And so bring that up sometime with Ben. But you're right. I, You know, I remember covering him when he was 165 pounds and trying to play uh, defensive line in Class C-1 football, and here he is, a grown man, just uh-huh. a jacked-up dude in the Big Ten, and to think that he gets to spend another year in that weight room and uh, with the nutrition staff and everything. Oh, man, I just hope that he, you know, he had a good year this past year. I hope it goes to another level and then he can really get on the radar for possibly playing in the NFL if that's something he aspires to do.
1: Yeah, he's such a good guy, and I know he's really well-liked in that locker room by a lot of those younger defensive linemen. It's going to be fun to see him put that uniform on for one more year. Well, I mean, it, I, I'm amazed that high school sports have been able to kind of operate like they have since the beginning of the school year. I did hear some rumblings today that Lincoln, Lincoln might be in jeopardy of losing the state basketball tournaments. Do you see that ever happening? I mean, because of COVID and the restrictions around here, is that serious talk that I heard today? I think that's
5: all speculation at the moment. I mean, uh, the mayor really uh, holds the cards right now. And, and I don't want to just put it directly on the mayor, but some of our uh, health and uh, government officials here yeah. in, in Lancaster County, you know, if they see some numbers that would uh, lead them to because, you know, the NSAAs you know, they're going to be in front of this that they would like to make a move sooner rather than later. So it's really all about monitoring trends. I think it's still too early to uh, say which way it's going to go. It's mid-January, and the state basketball tournament is still six, seven uh, weeks away. So just watch to see what these numbers do in terms of uh, case numbers and positivity rate. And if it does start to go up, then maybe you could see that happening. But I want to see those numbers go in that direction before I start assuming uh, that the state basketball tournament is, is going to be moved anywhere. I think the bigger conversation right now is what do they plan on doing with fans because every school every district they are doing it a little bit different you know if you go about 45 miles west of lincoln there are different attendance policies than if you're here in lancaster county um ultimately i think lancaster county is going to win out on the attendance argument so right now we're probably tracking toward a similar situation to last year where it's probably just family members only if not maybe a few additional names on a pass list um but you never know. If the if the numbers change and improve and maybe there would be some open minds and open conversations about letting some folks in, I think that would be some positive news for those that are craving some high school basketball. But one of my great takeaways here, Greg, out of the entire pandemic from a sports standpoint is the appreciation of having so many high school athletic events that you can watch online. It's yeah. been awesome. You know, we can't get everywhere but pulling up a YouTube feed or Strive And uh, News Channel Nebraska does a nice job of televising games. So those that cannot go, there are ways to watch your favorite team or perhaps a family friend that's competing here uh, throughout this very unconventional year. And I think that's been a lot of fun for me is just to be able to to watch more than I probably ever have before.
1: Absolutely. I just remember back to last March, like the only sporting event going on in the country was the Nebraska State Basketball Tournament. I mean, ESPN Sports Center was like leading with highlights of Nebraska's semifinals because I was like, the only thing going on in the country is crazy.
5: Yeah, it was right in that time window where everything had shut down, and it was about yeah. three or four days later. And here is the Class A. Well, I think the Class A boys' championship game should have been on Sports Center no matter yeah. what because that still to this day is one of the greatest high school basketball games I've seen firsthand, that miller north Bellevue west showdown and my goodness, if we can get those two teams back playing inside PBA again in March, I don't care if nobody is there, but the players and coaches make it happen because that was a doozy of a game.
1: Sure was. Kevin, great to hear your voice. I hope everything's well in your world. And uh, let's let's hope we get the days where we get a bunch of fans back into these uh, uh, venues and the Devaney Center and PBA and uh, start having some fun again with sports.
5: Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having, having me on. And uh, be well to you and to all of your listeners as well.
1: The volleyball season set to start on Friday. The Oscars will be in Bloomington, Indiana, to play the Hoosiers Friday and Saturday. Every month, the Conversation with the Cooks podcast, where Lauren Cook sits down with her dad, John Cook, the head volleyball coach. The newest edition is ready to hit the podcast stands. Here's a little snippet of what this month sounds like.
6: So anyway, yeah, the other challenge we're dealing with is is just trying to have everybody in practice. We have a lot of. Uh, we're learning a lot about how important the off-season training is and to continue with that, and these breaks have really hurt some of them. And to be honest, I think the last couple of days are the first time I felt like, okay, we are, we are moving, jumping, reacting at, at a high level, uh, and not sluggish and behind and, and, you know, wondering what they're doing here. So it has taken us almost two weeks to get where we're humming. Normally we're humming day one, but they just came off an eight-week summer program where they're running, they're jumping, they're moving, they're lifting. And anyway, I just felt like, I feel like we've been really sluggish and, but now you can start to see it. It's starting to evolve a little bit. So it's been pretty exciting. I think they were pretty excited um, last couple practices.
7: I'm happy to hear that. Okay, what about uh, Nicole Drunik opting out? Can you talk about that at all?
6: Yeah, we got back and ready to start and Nicole wanted to Zoom and um, she said she wanted to opt out because of COVID and uh, they've had some, I don't know if it's relatives or friends in Brazil who have been impacted by COVID and she just felt she wanted to opt out. So what, what that means is, is she can still go to school she still gets her scholarship, and but that's about it. And she can't can be around the team or do anything with the team, so uh, she's out. You know, not playing this semester.
7: Okay, and then just talk about the practice schedule, and then how you feel about the match schedule. Practices, I know you've had a couple two-a-days, um, but are they're not in school, so how are you? Are you handling it like a traditional preseason, um, where you're doing two-a-days and and you know practicing every day, or is it more like how, I guess, how you practice during the season where it's just that one afternoon practice? Well,
6: um, I was going to treat it like this is a true preseason because it's three weeks and then we're playing. And and uh, so we were going to do, our, usually our first two weeks, we go two a days. So typically our week is Monday, two practices, Tuesday, two practices, Wednesday, one, Thursday, two, Friday, two, Saturday, one, Sunday off. We started off with that, but I realized our players weren't going to be able to handle that type of workload. So we backed off or just down to one practice a day. And part of that is we're a little bit thin at outside hitter depth wise. So I want to really make sure we don't overdo it with those guys. And, and also at the setting positions. So we're just down to one practice today, but it's a great quality practice and we go really hard for that for three hours. And so we feel like, and again, I, I we have a veteran team, so they know what they need to do. And sometimes as players get older, I don't want to overtrain Lawrence Stiverens or Lexi's son. Uh, we're just managing a little bit, and it, it's been a long year. That's the other thing. So anyway, I, I like what we're doing and, and how we're progressing. We may, may not have progressed as fast, but we also know that we're going to have to probably, uh, as the season goes on, learn how to play two hard five-game matches back to back in a weekend. That's going to be the next big test. I don't know how to simulate that in practice. I don't know if we can.
7: Yeah, it's tough. How do you feel about your match schedule? Is I know that's kind of what you expected playing at this, you know, the same team back to back nights. Uh, do you think it's pretty fair how they how they worked everything out? I know there's a few Big Ten teams that you won't see this season, but. I guess, how do the girls feel about it and how do you feel about the schedule?
6: Yeah, I, I really didn't ask the girls because I, I really don't care what they think about that. So, <laughs> um, But I think the Big Ten did a really good job. Uh, and we, we primed them as coaches what we thought would be the best. I was probably one of the more vocal opinionators of what we should do and how we should do it. But the idea was to be as safe as possible, play as normal schedule as possible, play as many teams in the Big Ten as you can. And so that's why we're playing the same team back-to-back. We're five weekends away, five at home, and we only go to the East Coast once. And so I I think we're going to Rutgers. So that means we're not going to Penn State, we're not going to Ohio State, we're not going to Maryland. Those are the long trips. They're expensive. Uh, So uh, I think with everything going on, the, the whole goal was to try to keep teams from traveling all the way from the west to the east and all the way from the east to the west. And I can't, I think Penn State comes here.
7: Last weekend, I think.
6: Yeah, Maryland, Maryland must come here and uh, Ohio State comes here. So that might be their big trips coming this way to either to us or to Iowa. So I think they did a great job. And we feel really good. I think it's gonna be a really tough schedule. It's gonna be very competitive. It's gonna be hard to win two matches on a weekend for anybody. So, uh, and then you got to throw in the whole COVID thing if, you know, people get taken out. So, it's just kind of one day at a time, but, you know, hats off to the Big 10. I think they did a really, really good job of making a pretty interesting schedule. And ironically, 19 of our 22 matches are gonna be televised.
7: I heard that. I'm guessing
6: the other ones may be streamed, the other three. But think about that. We're in the spring. That's, you know, super high percentage of our matches being televised. And uh, so I think it'll be interesting for fans and people will be able to watch, even though they, you know, the hard part will be not having anybody in Devaney.
1: There you go. That's a snippet of uh, the conversation with Cooks. Much more in that podcast. It will drop tomorrow wherever you find podcasts. The weekly sit-down with Lauren Cook and her dad, the head volleyball coach of the Cornhuskers, John Cook. Huskers open the season Friday at Indiana. First home matches a week from Friday, as they'll be back in the Devaney Center to take on Northwestern.
0: Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
1: Here comes Hybe up the
2: floor, leading it three on two. Skogging for three on the left wing. You Betcha! Off the assist from Hybe and the Huskers have their biggest lead at 12. Timeout! Kevin McGuff. The Huskers are pulling a major upset in Lincoln.
0: Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball.
2: Sam Hybe gets the ball back. Whitney Brown for three left wing. Betcha! My goodness! Grand Island, Nebraska stand-up! Clint Brown has 14 huge points in this game!
0: With the head coach... Amy Williams. Ivy's going to take the
2: ball by herself. She directs Kate Kane underneath. Sam goes down the right way. And it counts. And a foul. Oh, my goodness. Sam Hybee decided to put on her big girl pants. She finishes. That's the basket of the game.
0: Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host, Matt Cotney.
2: You know, Josh Hilkeman from the Husker Sports Network puts together the best montages in the nation, and, and I had almost kind of forgotten a couple of those plays, so it was great to hear that. Welcome to the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show. Matt Cotney with the coach Amy Williams will take your calls here for the full hour at five three one five hundred forty six eighty six, 500 and we will uh, talk a lot about uh, the game that you uh, just heard highlights from, uh, a big win over what was a then an undefeated, and they're not undefeated anymore after Nebraska beat him. Uh, Ohio State team uh, this past uh, Saturday afternoon, and then preview what's coming up uh, tomorrow, which is an afternoon special at Pinnacle Bay Arena, 3 o'clock Central, the Huskers and Minnesota. But Amy Williams, you have got to be smiling 99% of the time, I think. Your team right now is the talk of the Big Ten and – around the nation I've been getting uh, text from people going what's going on with your team so how are you feeling these days
8: yeah I feel uh, I feel proud of the fight that we've been showing here um, lately and and really kind of recently and and um, finding ways to have contributions from a lot of different people of our team uh, you know from our team and knowing that that's really what it's going to take for us to be successful uh, but also to be the best version of ourselves but um, you yeah, know I feel I feel proud of uh, the growth we've shown over the last few ball games, and hopefully, we can continue to just keep getting better.
2: Huskers took down uh, then number 15 Ohio State on Saturday. Now, you know, I never get to talk to you in person anymore, and, and really, mm-hmm. the only time you and I talk is this show and, and the postgame show. But um, do you have some breaking schedule news that we haven't talked about? I'm guessing. You know what I'm talking about because have you talked to mike neighbors today the, no the arkansas arkansas got ranked 15th this week in the ap poll and every week it seems like you're <laughs> required to play the 15th ranked team in the nation so i thought maybe tonight on the show you might be breaking adding a non conference game with arkansas Do you have something to tell us or
8: i did not uh, i did not see that arkansas new spot was 15 but you're right it has felt like that the last several Weeks, it's always like, oh, we're playing the number 15 team in the country. Oh, we're going to play the number 15 team again in the country. Oh, and here we go again with the number 15 team in the country.
2: I I firmly thought... That Lindsey Whalen's Minnesota Golden Gophers team would jump magically after a loss into, into the polls at number fifteen this week. Uh, Amy Williams is with us five three one five hundred forty six eighty six is the number. What a great win over Ohio State! I I just got to be honest with you with Izzy Bourne out uh, with the ankle injury uh, very late in the win at Michigan State, uh, and her not being in uniform for that Ohio State game. The, the fight of the team, certainly not in question in my mind. But Izzy has been playing at a, a great level. And you're talking about an Ohio State team that went into that game with the Huskers averaging 90 points a game. And, oh, by the way, they got arguably their best player in Dorka Uhas back before the game. And I just saw no way that Nebraska could hold Ohio State well below their average because you had held – Every team that you'd played before that that had averaged above eighty points per game, below sixty five. Oh, by the way, you not only held them below their average, you held them in the fifties. How did you do that?
8: Good question, Matt. No, I, I really, I really think that it was just um, there's a combination of things, but great team effort, and and the biggest thing was just you know the pace of the game, and we knew that controlling tempo and pace was going to be the most important factor to us being able to uh, to be able to kind of hold them uh, within reach of, of being able to get a win and be successful. And I thought our kids really bought into that. I thought Sam did a great job of understanding, like, tempo and pace and when to push and be able to get us some tr- easy transition looks, but when to kind of pull it out and be able to run and execute offense. Um, and I thought – our team committed to some defensive game plans that, you know, that we needed to do to try to limit them in transition, and um, those were were critical pieces to us being able to, um, to to hold them well below their average but more importantly to give ourselves a chance to win the ballgame.
2: You know, Kevin McGuff in his postgame comments kind of echoed what you said. He said, you know, that ne- we, we knew Nebraska was going to try to control tempo he said, you know, they, they wanted the game more than we did. He was very complimentary. But at some point, this isn't a fluke anymore. You're second in Big Ten conference games, your team is, in field goal percentage defense at 35%. You continue to hold teams well below their average. And at one point in the game against Ohio State, they were uh, frosty, one for 20 from beyond the three-point line. Uh, now I had attributed some of that, and I've mentioned this on this show before that when you lost Trinity Brady to the injury and you had to put Izzy Bourne more on a wing and that brought in Bella Cravens, that you had a huge lineup that was kind of bothering some teams, but you didn't have Izzy Bourne and you still held a team that shoots the ball very well. Uh, down in the, in the upper 20s, low 30s most of the game. What kind of things were your were your team doing that you think bothered them, especially from beyond the arc?
8: Yeah, I mean, I really think the biggest key was just, you know, trying to slow them in transition. And I thought, um, you know, Bella Cravens, Kate Kane, um, e- you know, even uh, Ani Stewart at times, um, they did a great job of giving kind of some support help to um, – our guards um, to be able to kind of build a wall and not allow penetration into the paint in transition and then um, I thought really even you know kind of our guards just preventing some of those you know those tough passes down the sideline quick passes in transition um, when they collapse you into the paint and they can kick it in you know get those paint touches to kick out threes they are very very dangerous and hard to guard and that's um, what we really tried to limit, and I thought that um, that helped us a little. But um, obviously, I think you know some of the biggest things just was on um, penetration. Is is having Kate and Bella's shot blocking presence. Um, you know, and both of them had different, you know, big big uh, blocked shots at different times. The tip that Bella had in the fourth mm. quarter on a Dorka Uha three point shot, but you know, Kate blocked a lot of things where, you know, they came into the paint or maybe they got an offensive rebound and um, she was able to to block a shot and try to help us. You know, I just thought those were some of the other big plays defensively for us.
2: You talk about block shots. Right now you have three players in the top ten in Big Ten statistics in block shots with obviously Kate Kane, Bella Cravens, but also Izzy Bourne. And, you know, I I know as we get deeper and deeper into the meat grinder of the schedule that it's harder and harder to do what you want to do. But other teams recognize these numbers, your field goal percentage defense, your block shots, and – When your three-point field goal percentage defense holds Ohio State to start to one for 20 and you can't get in the lane because you got three of the top ten block shots, leaders in the league, Uh, what kinds of things do you think teams feel like they can do well against Nebraska? Because, you know, nobody's really solved it. Do you you think you're going to see a lot more dribble penetration maybe, or, or what do you think?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think there are plenty of areas for us to continue to get better, Matt, uh, defensively, you know, and, and we've seen several teams that have find, found ways to, you know, to take advantage, whether it be, you know, penetration or um, just, you know, executing, uh, you know, screens at high pace and things like that, you know, there's plenty of room for us to continue to improve defensively and areas that I think teams are really trying to exploit um, uh, for us. So, so, you know, I think there's, um, uh, you know, head coaches, we always feel like there's, (laughs) there's plenty of room for improvement, uh, no doubt about it. And I certainly think that, um, you know, each team that's kind of preparing for Nebraska uh, is trying to, um, you know, exploit some of those same things that we see when we watch film on ourselves.
2: If you'd like to talk to the coach, you can dial in at 531-500-4686. That's the Sports Nightly Hotline, and it's brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Today, Kate Kane was named Big Ten Player of the Week, and she, ah, I started to call it a triple-double, and then I saw the hand come up from the official when she got what looked like her 10th block. Uh, I was like, ah, let it go. But 22 points, 12 rebounds, nine block shots against Ohio State. Her second career 20-point game, tied her career high, a monster game. But what I really was impressed with, Amy, was Kate Kane's leadership. And, you know, you ask her to play uh, a lot of minutes. And a lot of your players had to play a lot of minutes. But... 38 minutes for Kate Kane. I think she's grown into somebody uh, who physically has conditioned herself to be comfortable in doing that. But I also kind of sensed in her post-game comments that with Izzy and Trinity out, that she kind of made a personal decision that if she stepped up, the rest of the team could step up. I think I'm putting words in her mouth here, but Is that kind of the sense you got from that senior?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, she, she uh, you know, I don't think she took the weight of of Izzy's absence all onto her shoulders. I think she just kind of approached it the same way that everybody else was, and that's, could I bring just a little more to the table for our team and, um, you know, to, to make up for the fact that Izzy was out and Trinity's still out and um, we haven't gotten Mike Cole into the mix just yet. And, you know, with, with all of those things kind of um you know, stacked on top of each other. You know, I think her approach was really just, could I do just a little bit more? But um, I think she started to really gain some confidence. I mean, she knew this was a game where we were going to need to have paint touches off of, you know, penetration and post-seeds and, and things like that to be successful. But I thought she got some um some confidence kind of early in the game, but also just, you know, she got some crucial offensive rebounds that led to putbacks and those kinds of things, you know, continue to just, um, just stack on top of each other. And, you know, we just saw everything kind of piling up and, and, you know, it was a situation where I could, Hardly afford to not have her out there. I just thought she did, you know, just a great job and and handled the additional minutes, handled the leadership, and just, um, but without putting a lot of undue uh, pressure or stress on herself in the process.
2: You know, she had the the huge 11 block game uh, when uh, a few years ago um, for your team. But in my opinion, That was Kate Kane's best game of her four-year career because it was a conference game, because of you have limited numbers, and the way that she played so many minutes in the game and played not out of her mind, just played under control. Do Do you think that's a fair assessment that that was the best game of her career?
8: Yeah, I think it's a very fair assessment, and also considering Matt, the fact that you know, I think the competition that we were going against, and and um, you know, Dorka Ujhas is a is a very very good player, and Aliyah Patty is is a very very good player, and uh, you know, I think that uh, she had her hand um, uh, in having to defend both you Uhas on pos- on possessions here or there, uh, you know, beat him off the bench. Um, Aaliyah Patty on the block, and, you know, she she had to do a lot of different things against some great players and um, great size and great length. and um, so I think you know, with all things considered, I think you know, it's really, um, if not the best, is for certain one of the best performances we've seen out of Kate.
2: Down low. Um... I, I I'm not around your team you know because of safety and I you know and I'm fine with that. but the the problem with it is I don't really get to know the players on the team. I so badly want to give Bella Cravens a nickname because <laughs> you know she comes to work with her lunch pail and gets it done and she's so impressive. I want to call her BC not because her initials are Bella Cravens, but because she's blue collar. And she, you know, looked like she was in a wrestling match. She fell over the back of one of the Ohio State players. She kind of tweaked her ankle at one point. And she just kept on coming back out there. She's second in the Big Ten in in rebounding right now in, in conference games. She leads your team in rebounding. And from afar, it appears that her effort rubs off on the rest of the team I got to tell you, I am just so impressed with just how she just comes to work every time. Is is, is that kind of your impression?
8: Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I think she she does do that, and, and it's something where um, I think she has a lot of confidence in those areas, but the thing I've been just the most excited about is just, um, you know, even in addition to the things that kind of come natural for Bella, which is, you know, having a nose for the ball and kind of a knack for the ball and, and, um, you know, making getting big rebounds, going out of her area to secure some boards, but also just, um, you know, making some big defensive plays. I thought she had a huge block in the Michigan State game that really helped us out. And then that late block, like I talked about on that three-point shot in the fourth quarter um, with Ohio State. But I really think that um, the thing that's been impressing me the most is the – the time commitment she's been putting in to work on just ball handling and form shooting and and gaining confidence and just going three for four in that ball game. You know, she didn't have a ton of touches offensively, but uh, she's gaining confidence with just her passing and her ball handling and her scoring and where her scoring opportunities are going to come from. And um, you know, that uh, has been fun to watch that progress as well.